0: Welcome to episode three of the Coast Fi podcast. I'm your host, Anders Skagerberg, the Coast Fi guy. And today's episode is how I accidentally broke my Coast Fi plan. But don't worry, I was able to fix it. Here's how. And then three very important things I learned in the process. So to kind of set the stage for today's episode, um, when when my wife and I first heard about coasting to financial independence, we realized that we had already achieved Coast Fi. Um, In other words, we had reached a point where we could simply let our money grow and compound for the next few decades and still achieve a comfortable retirement without saving another dime. For us, this was really an opportunity to kind of reassess our plans and, and get a lay of the land and, and figure out what do we want to do now that we have this newfound freedom. As we looked at all the available options, you know, one being continuing on this path to full financial independence or downshifting and embracing a slower path to financial independence, ultimately we opted for the slower path. And really this slower path, embraced the present while still handling our future financial independence goals and offered us the chance to design a life we love today, not 10 years from today. So if we had continued on that path we were on, we were still a ways out from full financial independence and we were going to be working hard and saving a lot along the way to reach that goal. But with Coast we were really able to take our foot off the gas and design a life that's really perfect for our ideal lifestyle, family, and financial goals. So at the time we thought, wow, we've man, we've really figured it out. We uh we beat the game, we exited the rat race, and we are set. At least that's what we thought. Fast forward to today, I am I'm kind of just coming out of the tail end of breaking and then doing my best to kind of repair our Coast Fi plan. So let me first explain how this happened and then we'll kind of talk about the, you know, the key things that I learned and in the hopes that, you know, maybe this can offer some insight to somebody else that's coasting to financial independence and kind of experiencing the, the natural give and take along the way. So really, one of the unique aspects of coasting to financial independence is that you still need to continue working to cover your living expenses. So that's because you've reached a point where savings is optional, but you haven't yet reached a point where work is optional. In order to give your investments the space and time they need to grow into a beautiful portfolio that can cover your future retirement needs, you've gotta be working not drawing down on your assets. And for most people in the financial independence community, this is a bit of a red flag. They look at this and say, I'm not convinced that this has anything to do with the FIRE movement if you still have to continue working. And I would agree, it's it's not for everybody. But if you're able to find work you love and do it in an amount that fits your ideal lifestyle, and you're able to lean into financial independence much sooner by coasting, then I think this can be a really, really great strategy for you. But again, this isn't for everybody. You know, if, if you look at your situation and you say, I'm, I'm not going to be happy until I'm work optional, I would not recommend going with Coastify because with this strategy, you do need to continue working while your assets are doing work in the background to provide for your future financial independence with CoastFi, you know, I had reached my CoastFi number, but again, I still needed to continue working enough to cover our living expenses while we let our assets grow. So, you know, for some people, that means leaning into self-employment work, um, finding seasonal work, or even a gig they're passionate about, uh, being a yoga instructor or a, a ski instructor something like that, that people might really enjoy, even though it doesn't pay all that well, as long as it's work you love and you can do it in the amount that fits your lifestyle while still covering your living expenses, then that can be a great option. And for others, that could mean continuing at the job they were at before they reached coastfy, but working three days a week instead of five days a week. Really, whatever the case, coasting just gives you the freedom to do work you love right now while getting to enjoy many of the benefits of financial independence today. And those that are in the Coast Vi community, they might argue that that's even better than staying in a job you hate for decades just to earn enough money to reach financial independence, at which point you'll likely just find work that you love, regardless of the pay, because most people are going to want to continue working, in some capacity even when work is optional especially if they retire early in their you know late 30s mid 40s even early 50s i think it's important to take a hard look at the value that work we love can bring to our lives and the satisfaction it can give us even when work is optional many people still choose to work just because it adds so much value to their lives anyways Back to my story and how I broke my Coast Five plan. So if we rewind a couple years ago, when my wife and I just started coasting to financial independence, I quit my job. I was at a financial planning startup at the time. I was working a lot. Uh, most weeks were probably between 50 to 60 hours a week. I was making way more money than we needed, but we were saving about half of our income at that time. When we decided to lean into this slower path to financial independence, I found a gig working seasonally as a tax preparer and then taking freelance jobs as a personal finance writer. And really for the first year, it was it took a bit to get things going. You know, we were we were kind of just breaking even with my income and and really just covering our living expenses, but but really living very, very flexibly um, along the way. So, in, you know, in that first year, we were able to take our daughter and take a six-week road trip all the way from San Diego, California, all the way up the coast, stopping along the way until we ultimately arrived in Portland, Oregon, and spent some time with my family up there. So all that to say, that first year, you know, work came in slowly but man we really leaned into the flexibility and and we were really able to enjoy um enjoy that flexibility quite a bit as a family so you know things were going good that was that was kind of the plan as we drew it up was you know working enough to cover living expenses so we can keep letting our investments grow but also being able to do the things that we want to do as a family and, and just live this very flexible, very free lifestyle. Um, and, and naturally, as I continued doing work, I got better at it. And more of my clients referred me to more clients. And um, I honed my craft and I, I picked up additional writing clients. And then one of my clients asked if I wanted to do some financial consulting helping to prepare financial plans for their clients to free up some of their time. So, you know, that, that seemed like a really cool opportunity. The, the pay is really great. And when I started, it was just five hours a week. So I said, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. That sounds like a good fit. And then fast forward a little bit more. Another one of my writing clients asked if I'd like to join their network of financial advisors to do one-on-one consultations as an employee benefit for a handful of different companies. Um, This also sounded like a really cool opportunity. The pay is really great, it's 75 bucks an hour, and the flexibility is phenomenal. I get to control my own schedule, I get to schedule myself as much or as little as I want, Um, and and really the way they described it is, you, you have the flexibility of an Uber driver where you can just hop on, and you can open up time on your calendar, and you can do these one-on-one consultations. So, um, so I said, hey, that sounds like a great gig based on the type of work situation that I'm trying to achieve. So yeah, why not? Let's do it. So here I am. I'm juggling freelance writing. I'm doing independent contractor work for a financial advisor, helping them prepare financial plans on the back end. And then I start this new gig doing individual one-on-one consultations. Um and then guess what happens of course tax season is right around the corner. So at this point I I'm well aware that it would be a stretch for me to add seasonal tax prep into the mix of work that I'm already doing but there was a bit of a, a bit of an emotional block for me. It, it, tax prep kind of gave me a sense of comfort. I think part of that is because it's what helped me make this whole thing work in the first place was I found that seasonal tax prep job and that kind of carried me through the first stretch of coasting. And then partially because tax prep work is so consistent. I know no matter what my tax prep work would come back year after year. And there would be a period of, you know, four or five months where I could work and earn a decent amount of money every year, no matter what. Uh, so anybody that's self-employed, they they probably know this feeling that it can be a little bit scary as you look out and say, you know, I've got these clients, but uh, what if I don't have these clients a year from now? and and if I don't have these clients and they they don't want to keep working with me, am I going to be able to find new clients? And am I going to be able to keep up with the work that I have while, keeping enough work coming in to keep myself busy. So there's always this kind of, uh, this give and take as a, as a self-employed person and specifically as a solopreneur, I think one of the biggest challenges you have is you kind of go through these phases of gathering work and then completing the work. And once you're done completing the work, you kind of, you know, you lift your head up and you go, Oh man, I, I haven't been gathering work. Now I need to go drum up a bunch of business And then kind of rinse and repeat. So um, especially in the beginning, it can feel kind of feast or famine. And um, it's easy to have a kind of a scarcity mindset around around your business. So for me, I think tax prep was really a comfort blanket. So, you know, I sat there and I really thought, okay, I'm, you know, I'm already doing these three gigs and tax prep is is coming up. I, I don't know if I should do it because tax prep is my lowest paying gig and the highest time commitment during the tax season but on the other hand i feel this i feel this sense of comfort um, with my tax prep position so you know i'm kind of thinking about that back and forth and then i get a i get a phone call from a recruiter that is offering me a pretty substantial raise to essentially do the exact same work that i was doing but for a different tax prep firm so they offered to they offered to bump me up from $28 an hour to $37.50 an hour. So I was pretty stoked about that and that made things even a little more confusing for me. Long story short, I ended up taking the job and kind of just convincing myself, I'll be able to make this work. Sure, it'll be busy for a little bit, but that busyness will come to an end and this will work. You know, it, for me, it felt like um, I get to keep my comfort blanket And sure, I'll sacrifice for a little bit, but I'll be able to manage. And that was really the moment that I, you know, air quotes, broke my Coast Fi plan. But don't worry, here's how I fixed it. So 2023 starts and here I am, I'm juggling four gigs. I've got uh, my writing work, my independent contractor work, my one-on-one consults, and then I'm doing tax prep 20 hours a week from... 1 to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday. So life's busy, uh, to say the least. So at that time, I was you know, waking up early in the morning. I'd, I'd write some articles. I was working on the weekends to try and catch up on my my financial plan prep. And then every day in the afternoon from 1 to 5, I was doing seasonal tax prep. And then just trying to open up my calendar enough to get some one-on-ones in between the the gaps. So to say the least, my lifestyle got out of alignment very quickly. One of the first the first things I noticed is I stopped prioritizing taking my daughter to story time at the library because I was just too busy. And unfortunately, one of the the hobbies that I love, pickleball, it it became non-existent in my life. I I stopped playing pickleball in the mornings and um I Before this, I had done two pickleball leagues, and I debated. I didn't even know if I could sign up for one coming up. Everything got out of whack pretty quick in my life. Um, But on the other hand, the money was really flowing, and I kept justifying the tax prep work because I had gotten such a great raise from my previous gig that I just kept telling myself, man... I am so stoked to be doing this work and getting paid $37.50 an hour when I was doing this exact same work last season and just making $28 an hour. So it really was a bit of a kind of a mental trick for me that the money was just, it was pulling me in, you know? And and the funny thing is we didn't need the, the seasonal tax prep work to cover our living expenses. So with our Coast Fi plan, it didn't really make sense to do it. But for whatever reason, mostly emotional, I continued doing the the seasonal tax prep work. So luckily, I, I do spend a lot of time um, thinking and reflecting and really trying to be intentional about what I do with my time, which, as far as I'm concerned, is my most precious and scarce non-renewable resource. And ultimately, I realized, you know, something has to give in this situation. This is not what i wanted to be doing this is not what we had decided to do when we started coasting Um, this was not part of the plan and it was time to course correct and get back on track so ultimately i ended up quitting my tax prep job after about six weeks this tax season and i realized the only reason i was staying was because i had gotten such a great raise and for me it kind of felt wrong to walk away from that. But at the end of the day, when I looked at it, I'm optimizing for an ideal lifestyle and I'm trying to use money as a tool to provide that. I'm not optimizing for money at the expense of my lifestyle. So quitting was the right decision in this situation based on the goals that I have and my family has. So in reality, as long as I'm meeting all of our lifestyle goals with the work I have, there's really no reason to continue chasing additional work if it means giving up on the things that I value most, which for me, that's spending time with the people I love. That's taking six weeks and traveling up the coast. And of course, that is playing pickleball here in St. George. So that's how I broke and then fixed my Coast Coastify plans Let me tell you now what I learned in the process. The first thing I learned is that quitting can be a superpower. I really think that the ability to walk away from a situation that's not serving you is a superpower, but unfortunately, I think the standard narrative around quitting makes it feel like quitting is failing or falling short of your goals and sure sometimes quitting means that you failed, but I just want to offer the idea that that's not always the case. Um, It was funny. I was, I was talking to somebody about my decision to quit my job and, and they kind of just like sarcastically said to me, Oh, you quitter. And like my knee jerk reaction, I I just wanted to like defend myself. Like I'm not a quitter, you know? And I just laughed it off at the time, but I was kind of reflecting after. And, and I thought, you know, why is, why is being called a quitter considered such a diss. I, I think quitting, depending on the situation, can be a very, very smart move. You know, for example, in my situation, quitting tax prep created this immediate positive impact in my life. I immediately have the bandwidth and time to take my daughter to story time again. And for me, that's a highlight of my week that, that came back because I was able to quit My tax prep job. And now I even have the time to stand here and record this podcast, which, you know, this brings me a lot of satisfaction to kind of get my thoughts out there and and share bits and pieces of my story in the hopes that this might resonate with somebody else who's trying to find that balance um, in their life. Ultimately, I got my time back immediately when I walked away from that job. And, you know, thinking back even further in my situation, The whole reason I was able to even start living my ideal lifestyle and coasting to financial independence in the first place is because I quit my old job at a financial planning startup and I pivoted to freelance work and seasonal tax prep. And then if I rewind even further before that, I was only able to start working in finance and building the skills I have today that allow me to be a freelancer because I quit my old job as an electrician. Um, and you know at the time people had plenty of opinions about whether quitting made sense because I was working at what seemed like such a great trade and such a great job and and ultimately is a great trade and great job it just wasn't great for me because I didn't love that. But quitting gave me the ability to live the life I live and without it I'd still be working in a career that didn't light my fire, and I'd be going through the motions just to collect a paycheck. So really, I would just offer to anybody listening that quitting can be good if it means walking away from something that's not serving you anymore. And I really think it can be a superpower in the right situations. So the next thing I learned is that you know misalignment and kind of getting out of whack, it happens gradually and then all at once. So as I've been looking back on this experience, I started to ask myself, I'm like, how did I even get into this situation in the first place? And you know, the little voice in my head is saying, Come on, man, you're the you're the Coast guy. How did you let your lifestyle and plan get so out of whack? And ultimately I realized it happened very slowly and then all at once. So I like to imagine, you know. Anything in my life that I can use a personal finance analogy to help explain, I am all in. So imagine the power of compounding and the impact it has on your portfolio. In the beginning, you really hardly notice the changes that are happening as little bits of growth and interest are added to your investments. And this goes on for decades and decades in what seems like A pretty straight line up into the right and then one day that straight line starts to curve and that's where exponential growth is beginning to happen and you've hit this inflection point where the interest you're earning on your interest has taken over and is multiplying your portfolio beyond anything you could have originally imagined that's essentially what happened to me over the span of a couple years as I was coasting. My workload was slowly growing. Clients were referring me to other clients and I was adding, you know, a couple articles per month and then a couple more. And then I started the financial planning support role at just five hours a week. Then it grew to 10 hours, then to 15 hours. And then I had the opportunity to start doing one-on-one calls. And then bam, bam. Tax season came back and I was at my inflection point. My work had taken over, ultimately pushing my lifestyle out of alignment. And the thing I realized is it's hard to recognize when things are getting out of alignment because it can happen gradually and that's okay. But I think the important thing is you have to constantly be reevaluating and checking in with yourself by asking questions like, Is my current lifestyle aligned with my ideal lifestyle? And if it's not, what changed and what would I need to change to get things back into alignment? In other words, what's serving me right now and what's holding me back from the plan I designed? Then when you've identified what's going on, don't be afraid to quit and get your lifestyle back in order whether that means quitting something that you, you know, you thought was going to be a good fit and it ended up not being and maybe you've overcommitted yourself or whatever it is, being able to look and reflect on your situation and identify what is holding you back from your ideal lifestyle and then make those changes that you need to make. And I think a big piece too is you, know, you can't beat yourself up because the other thing I learned is it's natural to want more. And ultimately I knew this before I went through this experience, but there's something valuable about knowing things in theory. Like I, I can understand that something is a possibility and that something happens to other people, but until you experience it yourself, you don't fully realize how powerful this desire for more really is. So, ideally, you want to build your Coast 5 plan and And just sail off into the sunset to live your perfect lifestyle until the end of time. And in theory, that makes sense. But in reality, it's so different. And reality doesn't care about theory. The fact is, we are wired to want more. Whether that be more stuff, more work, more money, a bigger house. And that's okay as long as we can be aware of it. And we consciously choose the more that we want to pursue. Because... At the end of the day, everything is a trade-off. Sure, I can have more work and more money, but I have to be willing to sacrifice story time at the library with my daughter. You know, that's an option, but it's just not an option I'm willing to take when I sit down and consciously decide how to allocate my time. So in the end, I really just, more than anything, I hope this experience resonates with some of you as you attempt to find the right balance of work in your life. And if nothing else, I hope you get a kick out of this story. Um, Thanks for listening and happy coasting.